guys and welcome back to the music matters media podcast if you don't know by now i am lisa and i'm eric and today we are going to be talking about a topic that is something that we've spoken about privately eric and i numerous and countless times before yeah i mean we've gone over this so many times but i kind of feel like this time it's going to be a little different it's going to be official, Eric. It's going to be on the record <laughs> that's, now. That's the perfect word to say, official. <laughs> There's no going back now, no changing your mind. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, you guys, today we're going to be answering a question sent in by a fan of our podcast. How cool is that, Eric? So awesome, man. His name is Kurt Capistrano. Wanted to give him a shout out. He really enjoyed our California and California Deluxe Review episode, which I personally thought was great as well. I think all of our episodes are great, so who am I? <laughs> who am I to say what's great and what's not? So after listening to that episode, Kurt wrote in and said, What are your opinions on blink sidebands, quote unquote, such as Plus 44, Boxcar, and Angels? Maybe a topic for future podcasts, but I'm just interested in hearing what you think. Now, this is going to be an amazing episode, man, because we have a lot to say about this. We totally have a lot to say, and I responded to him, and I said this was a great idea for an episode. So shout out to Kurt. And I'm really looking forward into diving into all things uh, Tom DeLonge and Mark Hoppus today. Me too, man. But as always, we have our international top three this week. Eric, are you ready? Ready as always. All right. Coming in at number three, we have Mexico. Nice. Mexico. Nice to see them again. Shout out to Mexico making our top three this week. And coming in at number two, we have Brazil. Nice. Another one. Another mainstay. Another mainstay. And coming in at number one, back to reclaim their throne at the top spot, we have the United Kingdom. Nice. I knew they wouldn't stay down for long, man. So there you have it, you guys. That's our top three of this week. Number three, Mexico. Number two, Brazil. And number one, the United Kingdom. Thank you guys so much for making our top three this week. And thank you to everybody out there listening every week. We seriously can't thank you enough. And we really, from the bottom of our hearts, appreciate every single one of you who stops and takes the time to click play and listen to our voices. It seriously is truly incredible to have listeners from all around the world. So once again, thank you guys so much. And for those who didn't make our top three this week, have no fear. There is always an opportunity to make our top three next week or the week after. 
after that. All you have to do is share this podcast with your friends, with your families, with any loved ones you may have, and we could be shouting you out next. All right, Eric, we have a lot to dive into today. We are going to be discussing the three quote-unquote side projects of Blink-182, starting out with Boxcar Racer, then we have Plus 44, and of course we have Angels and Airwaves. Oh man, where to start? So much to say. I mean, wow, like all three of them are fantastic, but okay, let's start out with Boxcar Racer. Yeah, we'll start out with Boxcar because it was the first of the side projects to come out all the way back in 2002. So now that we are in 2018, looking back at 2002, Eric, what do you think about Boxcar Racer's first and only album to date? I think it really stands up. I mean, it has, in my opinion, some of Tom's best singing, some of his best lyrics, some of his best riffs. It's just such a great album, and I still love it, you know, all these years later. I really do. You know, there's, like, so many songs that are just, like, imprinted into my psyche at this point that I can't imagine being a fan of Tom and not loving Boxcar Racer as much as I love his stuff with Blink-182. I could not agree with you more on that. I truly believe that this album showcases the beginning of what was to be Tom's more experimental side. And as well, it goes all the way back to his punk rock roots. That's the perfect way to describe it. It's It bridges that, his pop punk side with his more experimental, you know, space rock type of sound, so to speak. I really love the combination of both of those things into this album, but those riffs, man. That's what really stands out to me, the riffs and his singing. Eric, do you truly believe that Boxcar Racer was the demise of Blink-182? No, I don't think so. I really don't. Do you think it played a role? Maybe, but I don't think it was the definitive thing. I agree. I don't think it was, you know, the sole reason of why they ended up breaking up back in uh, 2003, 2004, but... I think that it definitely played a role in uh, in adding to the tension between Mark and Tom. The fact that Mark was excluded from this project, but Travis was brought on board. It really seems like Travis is the common denominator for both of these men. He's on Plus 44, he's on Boxcar Racer, but... Uh, yeah, he's just such a talented musician, and I understand why they uh, recruited him for, for both projects. I mean, that goes without saying, but I think that the exclusion of Mark back during this boxcar racer era definitely led to tensions rising when they went into uh, creating the self-titled album. Me too, but like you said, it, it maybe started to you know, set the seeds for the later tension, but I don't think it was like the sole factor in it. And I don't believe it was a malicious like intent to leave Mark out. I think that Tom is just so oblivious sometimes to things. And especially when he gets in that creative and artistic mode, he just has that tunnel vision of bringing his reality to life, whatever that may be at the time. So I really do think that he was just focusing on the music, focusing on creating something outside of Blink, something that was more his own, especially for the time that you can see 
between Boxcar Racer and the self-titled album of Blink, The Transition, uh, the self-titled wouldn't have been as great if Boxcar Racer didn't uh, venture and do their own thing uh, because there's a strong connection between the two. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. and I don't think it was malicious either. It was more just that he had a certain blueprint for the kind of sound that he wanted, but that doesn't mean that he, you know, left Mark out with the intention of doing that. It's just that he had a specific mission. So going back to the album itself, because that's what we're talking about. I mean, we can talk blink uh, drama all day between the members and who did what and who said what to who, but that would be a whole other episode. <laughs> so just focusing on the music this time around, let's go back into Boxcar Racer. It was their only album that they ever released what do you think keeps you coming back to this album and listening to it just like how you would of years ago I think it's because of how unique it is you know I, I love that it mixes the aggression of punk rock really and his more experimental side that he would later have on angels and airwaves I love the unique sound that it makes you know there's a bit of everything on this album there's you know, real aggressive, no BS punk rock. There's uh, slower, heavier songs. There's more melodic songs, more romantic songs. And of course, his singing is always at the forefront. To me, it's some of the best singing he's ever done. So that's what really keeps me engaged all these years later. I definitely agree with you on the singing. I think this is one of the last times that we got Tom's voice to, to sound like this. I think after, uh, you know, after that huge um, break that they had between 2003, 2004, all the way up until Neighborhoods, uh, his voice was never the same after that. Even going into Angels and Airwaves, his voice was never the same as it was back in the boxcar racer and self-titled era. So this is definitely Tom's voice at its prime, in my opinion. Super whiny, super angsty. And uh, that's what, uh, you know, just how that deters some people from listening to uh, earlier Blink stuff. That's what really draws in the hardcore Blink fans, uh, in my opinion. I agree. Some of his... Uh... Some of his vocal performances on this album just sound so epic, so so grand on such a scale. You know, it's some of them his most powerful singing I've ever heard on his part. So I love how he really just gives it his all on some of these songs, on some of these choruses. So what you said about the the whininess and all that, it's really um, it's really pronounced on this album. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I know because uh, I have friends who are casual listeners and some of them are just like, yeah, I don't really like the whiny voice. And other people are like, yeah, you know, that's the that's what makes Blink-182 is that signature voice. And I would have to agree that uh, Blink-182's signature, other than the Mark and Tom collaboration between the two vocals, would be that... Tom has that angsty, whiny, punk rock voice. Yeah, and come on, how many singers haven't been influenced by that style? You know, you have so many who constantly cite Tom as an influence, not just as a guitar player, but as a singer. And, you know, if you don't believe us, listen to all these punk bands. They have a little bit of that Tom DeLong influence in them. And listen, Eric... I don't care who wants to argue with me about it. It's not head, it's yed, all right? And Anna, I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way that it'll always be. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, I agree. So, what are some of your favorites off a of boxcar racer? I know the whole album itself in itself is one of those true, like timeless, uh, classic albums that you can go back to and just listen to it and, and really feel the same way that you felt the first time that you listened to it, which is a true gem. But if you can kind of narrow it down, what would be your top three favorite songs from this album and why? Hmm. Wow. So this is very difficult. I just want to put that out there, as I'm sure it would be for a lot of boxcar fans. But if I really had to pick three, they would be, in no particular order, Sorrow, The End With You, and I had to pick this one, Elevator. Nice. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. At least, you know, the little peace treaty went on with the song Elevator. You know, Mark did make an appearance on this album. You know, he was featured on Elevator. Um, all good picks, though. All good picks. What I like about your picks are they're completely different from my picks. <laughs> it's always nice to have that little element of surprise in our podcast. Yeah, right. It, but it's definitely a toss up because, uh, you know, you would think that, you know, sometimes you and I were really on the same page with certain things. And then other times it's refreshing to see that you can see the beauty in some songs and I can see the beauty in some songs. And then we can sit here and really talk about why we chose what we chose. Yeah. And as for why I picked them, I love Sorrow because it's such a it's one of those more angsty songs. But I just love the way he sings on that song. I love that you really feel what he's trying to transmit throughout the chorus, throughout the lyrics. It's it's awesome. As for The End With You, it's such... To me, this is like pre-AVA, kind of, but it's also a little bit of Blink-182. Um, there's a riff in there that is very similar to Easy Target, if you really look for it. I, I hope that people spot it. But overall, the song is just so heavy. It's one of Tom's best vocals, one of his best riffs on that album. It's just such an epic song you know on such a big level and as for elevator well i don't really need to explain it but you know it's a mini reunion between blink 182 and it just sets a really cool it paints a really cool picture based on the lyrics it's it's a little bit of a tragic song but it's sung in such a way that doesn't make it seem that way so for my top three coming in at number three i chose cat like thief Nice, nice. I love that one too. And I know the, you know, the voice of Tim Armstrong from the Transplants can either deter people or people are really into it. I was one of those people that was really into the vocal style of what he contributed. Um, I love the lyrics of the song. I love the back and forth between Tim and Tom on the song. And it's just one of those songs that I can always go to. And uh, if it shows up on my playlist, I'll never skip it. Listen, guys. Punk isn't meant to be perfect. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. So if well, isn't the little... whole isn't the whole point of punk that it's imperfect? Exactly. So if you're a little bit deterred by Tim Armstrong's vocals, just remember that that punk is perfectly imperfect. Nice. Well said. Well said. Coming in at number two, I chose "Watch the World." Nice. That's another great one. This is one of my favorite tom DeLong songs of all time period in in any project that he's ever done i love the lyrics to this song 
They are incredible. It paints such a picture. There's such a story throughout on this song. And I can literally listen to the song on repeat and not get tired of it. It's one of those songs that I go back to and I still find things to appreciate over time. Things that I might have not even caught on to my younger self listening to this song. It's one of those. That's amazing, isn't it? When you can go back to it, you know, when you're a little older and you still find things within there that you didn't see before. Or you just find that you still have the same love for it. I wholeheartedly agree. I love when that happens. And what I chose for my number one top spot off of Boxcar Racer, some may say this is extremely predictable. I do not care. This song is one of my favorite songs of all time. There is. Of course. Of course. And I'm not saying that because I think it's predictable. I'm just saying that because I agree. It's such an amazing song. Such a good song, such a beautiful love story. I love the music video where he's all in the rain and <laughs> Yeah, that was a good one. What is there bad to say about there is? It's such a pure song. Yeah, and I will say I've seen live performances of this song with just Tom and his guitar. It's so awesome. I love it. In my opinion, those are some of the best Tom moments when it's just Tom and his guitar and he really breaks songs down. Uh, he can really stand on his own. And that's one of the things that I love about Tom. Yeah, me too. It's, it's, it just has such a different feeling to, you know. All I'm going to say is that this is a fantastic album. I love it to death. And it's going to be on my playlist forever. It's one of those classic skate punk rock albums and it has a twist because of its experimental side like eric said there's something on here for everybody to appreciate and enjoy and it's one of those timeless records that you could still throw on today and it will still hit you just as hard as when you were to first uh, listen to it back then so i think that says a lot about this record and i highly highly recommend if you haven't checked it out by now um to go check this record out me too so now moving forward, we're going to switch over to Mark, Mr. Mark Hoppus, bass player of Blink-182. He came up with his own project, and that was Plus 44, and the only album that they ever released was back in 2006, titled When Your Heart Stops Beating. Eric, we have a lot to say about this album. I remember when I showed you this album for the first time, and it really blew your mind tell the listeners what it was like listening to this album for the first time oh my god i remember it too um and just just to kind of set the scene it was a nice little drive at night we were driving around and you know you kind of made a big announcement you're like all right this is my first time showing you plus 44 and you played me you know the album i don't remember if it was in order if you just played me some random songs but i do remember listening to it and I was just like in awe of it, you know, just how different it sounded. But at the same time, I could hear some Blink-182 aspects in it. But I was more just so taken aback by Mark's range in terms of being a singer, a lyricist, and just the overall song structures. It was amazing. I'm going to go on the record right now and say that this album is Mark Hoppus's best work to date. His best lyricism is on this album. And I will fight somebody. <laughs> I will fight somebody on this because that's how strongly I feel about this topic. I love Mark. Eric, what are some of the things that you loved about this album? 
like you said, I love the lyrics on this album. I agree, they're some of Mark's best lyrics. They're some of his best musical compositions as well. I love how varied the record was in terms of different styles of music on here. Of course, you had the uh, pop punk that you know him for, but you also had other slower, darker songs too. I think that's what I loved about this album as a whole, how dark it was, how personal it was. I mean, this is Mark at his best. This is Mark at his best because Mark was going through such a hard time in his life. He was known as Mark Hoppus from Blink-182, and that was completely stripped away from him. So moving forward, he had to create this new identity and this new band and really find his place in music for the first time without Tom. I agree. And I love that for someone who was kind of left vulnerable in a way, because that's really... I'm sure what it felt like. I love that he came out triumphant by finding this sound. Absolutely. And I love that he took his pain and his heartbreak and everything that he was going through and created such a solid, beautifully dark album. And I don't think that if he was feeling any other way at the time that this album would have been as good as it actually turned out to be because he really put his blood, sweat, and tears into this album and it truly shows. Absolutely. But I also love that for as dark as the album is, I love that there are some songs that are pretty pretty happy, pretty cheerful. Oh yeah, he, there's definitely high points on this album as far as tone and you know upbeat uh, songs on this album. And this album does have a very strong pop punk influence throughout. I mean, Mark Hoppus is the king of pop punk. When you think of pop punk music, he automatically is the first person that comes to mind. I don't care what bands you listen to, he is the staple pop punk uh, king. So yes, there's definitely that throughout. You have much more upbeat songs throughout this album, like When Your Heart Stops Beating and Cliff Diving and Make You Smile. And then he has that dark twist when it comes to songs like Little Death and No It Isn't and Chapter 13. The list goes on. Um, And of course, we cannot talk about When Your Heart Stops Beating without mentioning the song Baby Come On, some of his best lyricism to date. And he has even gone on the record saying himself that this song was hands down the best song that he's ever written. Absolutely. And at this point, I'm sure he knows it, but we love this album so freaking much. And I think it's just... I, I kind of feel like it's understated how much fans love this album as well. It's it's one of those albums that if you're a huge fan of Blink-182 only, it's kind of, you know, easy to miss. But, you know, I we obviously recommend that you don't sleep on it because it's such an amazing album. It's full of amazing songs that, like I said with Pox Car Racer, they're, to me, they're just as good as any Blink song because they're just so well-crafted. Now, I know this is going to sound weird coming from a diehard Blink-182 fan, but just hear me out. I'm glad that they separated and they took time apart from each other. And um, the reason why I say that is because 
you really get to see them as individual artists and what they can bring to the table individually. And they both came out with such strong efforts at the time, you know, like we previously spoke about, we had Box Caracer that was during, you know, while they were still together. But after the fact, when your heart stops beating um, by Plus 44 was Mark's project. And then you had at the same time, the same year in, in 2006, We Don't Need a Whisper, that was Tom's project with AVA. I mean, you really got to see, you know, what direction they both wanted to go in and just individually what they brought to the table. Yeah, you know, they they got a chance to each kind of explore their own avenues and see what they were like in a different context. Yeah, because not to get too ahead of myself, because we're going to speak on AVA in just a minute, but both albums are so stylistically different they could not be more different in fact and um i think that it really got to showcase what each artist is good at whether that be lyrically musically instrumentally and it's just something that is really uh pronounced in both of these albums yeah they both basically said we're more than just the sum of our parts you know we're both equally talented musicians even when we're separate so from the album when your heart stops beating what are some of your favorite songs if you can choose a top three from this album it's extremely hard because this whole album really tells uh, a story in my opinion and it's hard to just pick it apart and, and find which songs are better than other songs because uh as a whole cohesive project, it's such a strong effort. And like I said, I stand by it. It's one of Mark's strongest pieces of work to date and hands down his best lyricism to date, in my opinion. Yeah, this this uh, <laughs> this was also agony to pick three favorites because there's so many good ones. But again, if I really have to, I decide to go with Baby Come On, Little Death, and Cliff Diving. Nice. Very nice. I knew when you listened to Little Death the very first time. Yeah, I remember you were uh, you were going through the songs and you played like maybe five seconds of Little Death. And then you fast forwarded and I'm like, wait, what was that? And then I told you to go back to it and I was like, wow, this is so freaking cool. You because, were so into it. Yeah, because I had never heard something like that before. You know, the combination of that, you know, acoustic guitar and then the loud, quiet, loud dynamic. Obviously, I, I'm, I wasn't a stranger to that, but, you know, in, in this kind of song, it just sounded so different. And I loved, loved Mark's vocal on it. I knew it was going to make your list. I would have bet money that it made your list, and I'm glad that it did. And you also chose Baby Come On. I mean, that's self-explanatory. And you chose Cliff Diving. Why did you choose Cliff Diving? It's such a very upbeat song. It's very, it, it is very pop punk, but it's just... Uh, I don't know. It's it's different than anything I've ever heard before. I love how cheerful it is. I can definitely play that song on one of my worst days and it'll cheer me up. Such an upbeat and happy song. It also made my list of my top three. So I chose Cliff Diving, Make You Smile, and When Your Heart Stops Beating. Also, two very amazing songs. 
So I pretty much, I chose Cliff Diving and When Your Heart Stops Beating because they are the two most pop punk songs off of this record, in my opinion. And they are both such solid songs. And then for Make You Smile, I love the duet between Mark Hoppus and Carol Heller. The girl vocals on this song, I can play the song to no end. Fun fact for all the Plus 44 fans out there, Carol was actually supposed to be a main part of the band instead of just a feature on this album, but because of scheduling uh, conflicts and stuff like that, she was only able to make an appearance on this one song, but Plus 44 was actually supposed to be um, both Mark and Carol's vocals together, so that is an interesting concept to think about. I know for a fact that uh, this song is definitely one of the better songs off this album and it is such a good song i love the way that their voices gel together so i wouldn't have been upset at that either but at the end of the day i am glad that everything turned out the way that it did i think it was definitely one of those meant to be situations because mark just had a lot to say on this record and it feels more personal coming from him than anybody else absolutely but i do agree I do see how a lot of these songs could have been made for dual vocals. And it it does make me a little sad to know what cliff diving would have been like with her vocals in it, because I feel like that would have been so amazing. It's definitely an interesting thing to think about. Uh, I know Mark has pretty much said that he's solely focusing on Blink-182 at this time because he was asked a bunch of times, especially the second time around when when Tom was gone, if he was going to go back to Plus 44 and and start things up with that again. And he said that he was going to focus on Blink, and that was his main priority and concern. However, if he does ever decide to release another Plus 44 record, uh, I think that would definitely be an interesting uh, path to go down and to pick up that idea and go into their sophomore album with those dual vocals that I think that would be pretty cool actually me too I would definitely not be opposed to another album you know I would love to see you know what plus 44 in this day and age sounds like um I've said this to you in the past Eric I don't know if I've said it on here on the podcast but uh in a sadistic way I love when people go through hardships not because I enjoy people being in pain and upset but some of the most beautiful creative projects comes from when people are really down on their luck and when they feel like they have nothing else to resort to and then they just get a pen and paper and they just go for it and you know nine times out of ten they end up creating some of the best work that they've ever created in their whole life so with that being said I would just like to say thank you Mark I mean I know that at the time you were going through a lot I know we're past it now (laughs) we're talking over 10 years later at this point but at the same time uh, if you didn't take the time to really express yourself and everything that you were going through and to put that out there for the world I mean you're at your most vulnerable state and for you to still uh, be willing to do that and just have your name attached to it and not the name of Blink-182 anymore huge risk uh, but huge huge reward for Plus 44 and for Mark Hoppus and Travis and the rest of the band um so yeah i just wanted to say thank you mark because this is one of my favorite albums period yeah you are a force to be reckoned with man so thank you so much for this 
moving forward in that same year of 2006, like I said a little bit earlier, we had Tom branching out to Angels and Airwaves, okay? And I know that this is a very polarizing band. You either love them, you hate them. To me, I feel like there's no in-between with this band. I know I've, I've heard a lot of, of commentary on both sides, but we have their debut album in 2006 with We Don't Need to Whisper, Eric what do you think about this album? What do you think about this debut for Angels and Airwaves? So the first time I heard it, you know, I remember I kept on uh, communicating with you as I was listening to it. And I can remember just at first I was like, what is this? You know, not in a bad way, in a very good way. It's like, what is this? This, you know, it's some part of it is, you know, punk, not in the way, the traditional way we know it. But, you know, you can hear the punk influence in some of it. And then the rest of it is just something completely different that Tom came up with. So I think the reason why it was so polarizing at the time was because Tom went on the complete opposite direction that Mark went. At least with Mark, when your heart stops beating seems like the next logical step after something like Blink-182 because even though it's an alternative record, it still has those pop-punk elements throughout. Whereas with We Don't Need to Whisper, Tom really went for this like alternative space rock kind of sound and nobody was expecting anything like that uh, from him. I mean, we, we could kind of see it coming as far as him being experimental with Boxcar and with self-titled, but then this brought a whole new atmospheric element to it that we really haven't heard too much of from Tom before. I think the only thing closest to the sound on We Don't Need to Whisper is the track Asthenia off of uh, self-titled and also the Japanese bonus track Not Now, which is one of my favorite Blink-182 songs of all time, but We'll save that for another day. But other than those two tracks, this was something really fresh and something really new um, at the time. And I feel like that's why it was so polarizing because it's one of those things that you either like it or you don't. And you listen to it and you're like, what is this? Or you listen to it and you're like, wow, this is a totally whole new uh, chapter in Tom's life. Yeah, there's really no room for uh, for gray in this in this matter. You know, you're either mesmerized by the amount of experimentation that went into it and the marriage between the heavy riffing and the different soundscapes that he made, or you just completely dismiss it altogether because you're just like, what is this, you know? And I even remember at the time people were choosing sides, not that you could like both because that was completely out of the question. You know, you had to pick did you like Plus 44 better? Did you like Angels better? And I remember this being a really big deal during that year of who made the better project, causing even more tension, I assume. But, you know, that's the world we live in. <laughs> yeah, but in my opinion, you know, I, I like ABA's overall sound. I love the, uh, the concept of it. And just listening to the debut for the first time was really quite an experience. I won't lie. If you had to choose a top three for this album, what would be your top three? Wow. Um, definitely The War. The riffing on that song. Oh, my God. You know, it's it's such a heavy song. It starts out a little bit tame, but then once that main riff hits, you're just like, wow. And Tom's vocal is very good. That made my top three as well. I put The War. 
Um, Do It For Me Now. I really love that one. That made my number two spot as well. And the last one... Eric, I will strangle you <laughs> if you don't say this one song. Oh, my It God. is criminal if you don't say this one song. And my last one is The Adventure. Okay. Woo-hoo. Oof, Eric, you scared me. <laughs> my top three, number one, The Adventure, number two, Do It For Me Now, and number three, The War. I'm glad that we can mutually agree on those because, hands down, best songs off the album. We could sit here and do honorable mentions all day, uh, but then we would pretty much be naming the whole album at that point. <laughs> yeah, basically. But I'm glad that for our top three, we can both agree. The Adventure, if nothing else, uh, if you do not listen to ABA at all, please listen to that song. That song for me was one of those like life changing songs that I listened to it. And, uh, a lot of things just made sense after that. And what's funny is that since you and I have seen the documentary behind how the album was made, that's one of the songs where Tom had the most trouble finishing because he was like, you know, what, what can I do to make this song stand out? And then he came up with that riff. Yep, and then it ended up being the song. Yeah, how cool is that? It is. It's it's truly amazing, and it makes it that much more special. And whenever anybody mentions Angels and Airwaves, if the adventure is not a part of the conversation, then neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Moving forward, we have I, Empire, and that came out in 2007. Oh my goodness, so much to say about this album. I'll start by saying that this album is one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, and from front to back, every song, in my opinion, on this album is such a solid album, such a solid, the track listing is incredible. Um, one of those timeless albums that I can revisit again and again, and it'll still make me feel the same way I felt when I first listened to it. It's such a special album. It holds such a special place in my heart, and I could not say enough good things about I Empire. Usually people go into that sophomore slump, and with Angels and Airwaves, it was even more stressful because they people had really high expectations after a debut, like We Don't Need to Whisper, but uh, they really pulled through with I Empire. Uh, I Empire was such a phenomenal album, and it's such a strong album in their discography. Cannot say enough good things about this album. I mean, it's it's definitely an amazing album. It's, I mean, I don't know what you think about it. I mean, I know what you think about it, but I don't know if uh, this describes what you think. It's a step up from We Don't Need to Whisper. At least to me it is. We shall see what I think, because at the end of this, we are going to rank our uh, favorite Angels and Airways albums from you know, worst to best in our opinion. Uh, so I don't want to give too much away, but just know that it's definitely uh, up there for me. Definitely up there. Yeah, me too. It was definitely an amazing experience to listen to for the first time. My top three from this album would be Secret Crowds, Rite of Spring, and my number one, my most played Angels and Airwaves song of all time, fun fact, is this song, Call to Arms. Wow, very nice. My top three is a little different. Um, it would be Rites of Spring, True Love, and Heaven. All solid. Listen, I wouldn't be uh, upset with any 
three that you have chosen because to me this album there's not a bad song on this album and I know that's a bold statement to make but this album is so solid such a strong effort by Tom one of the strongest projects he's ever put out um and yeah I love I Empire <laughs> and now moving forward from that we have Love that came out in 2010 and then we have Love Part 2, which came out in 2011. So for me, I usually group these albums together because they came out so close together, number one. And number two is because when they came out, um, they had the same theme throughout. You know, Tom had a vision in his mind of what he wanted that era to look like and to sound like. And he even came out with the movie, you know, the, the feature film that he worked on. And he had a certain, you know, aesthetic for what he wanted these albums to sound and feel and look like. So usually when I talk about the Love albums, I group them together. Uh, I know that they're, you know, they came out a year apart, but they're very similar. And I feel like when you listen to them together, it really has that full cohesiveness instead of splitting the two. So Eric, in your opinion, how do you feel about the Love albums? I think they have a lot of great songs on them across both albums. There are a lot that definitely stand out to me. There are some that don't do it quite for me as much. But overall, I really do like them both because they have so many different sounds. And I love that they kind of have a little bit of We Don't Need to Whisper as well as the current sound for the time. They definitely do remind me of some songs off of the debut, but I also love that some of that heavy riffing is present throughout some of the songs. And I love that there's also some experimental soundscapes throughout as well. The thing with the Love albums is this is the point in Angels and Airwaves discography where the highs are high and the lows are low for me. Yes, I agree. Um, because there are some really great stand standout tracks on both of these albums. However, there are a lot of filler tracks on both these albums as well. And I get that... Uh, with the atmospheric sound and, and the soundscape that he was trying to go for, he wanted the sound to blend into the next song and he would have these long, grandiose intros and outros and everything, you know, to kind of set the tone of what he was going for. But, uh, you know, at times it really works and at other times it just detracts from the song itself where I will literally skip a minute in just to get to the song of, of where it kicks in. Um, and I get that it was also part of the love soundtrack, you know, for the movie. It, it accompanied that. So, you know, you have to consider that as well. But I think in this era of love and love part two, there were a lot of filler tracks on these albums, and that is something that was a first for Angels and Airwaves because I really can't say that about We Don't Need to Whisper and I, Empire. I agree, and a lot of the songs on the Love albums, some of them kind of sounded too similar to others, whereas on the debut and the sophomore, every song was different, no two were the same, and you could clearly tell the difference. So for the first part of Love that came out in 2010, what are your top three favorites off of that album? So my top three favorites are The Flood of Apollo, Hallucinations, and Some Origins of Fire. Very nice. All different from my picks once again. Uh, my top three was Shove. Soul Survivor, and Letters to God Part 2. I forgot to mention on Boxcar Racers uh, 
album. There was a song called Letters to God. I love that song. That's definitely on my honorable mention list off of that album. It was a very close pick uh, to making my top three. Just missed the top three spot. But um, fantastic song, uh, truly incredible song. And then I love with Letters to God Part 2 off of this album. It was the follow-up to that song. And I love that Tom took the time to go back to his boxcar racer roots. And, you know, the sound, it sounds nothing like uh, Part 2 sounds nothing like Part 1 in terms of uh, musical style. But I love that he made uh, an ode to that song off of Boxcar and a follow-up to uh, to that song, which is a very classic fan favorite song originally. So Yeah, me too. I love that he revisited that, and you're right. Both are way different, but I think they're both awesome. So for Love Part 2, Eric, what are your top three favorite picks off of that album? So my top three for that album are One Last Thing, Inertia, and We Are All That We Are. Wow. Once again, totally different picks than mine. Completely different, actually. Coming in at number three, I put My Heroine in parentheses, It's Not Over. Um, That was also known as a song called Crawl uh, when it leaked. If people knew if you had the leaked version because uh, it was titled Crawl when it leaked. And then when it officially came out, it was My Heroine. Anyway, uh, that's just a little fun fact. Coming in at number two, I put Anxiety. And number one, my favorite off of this album was Surrender. Nice. All awesome picks, too. Yes, I love the meaning behind Surrender. Uh, Great, solid song. And it's just one of those staples of ABA, I feel like. If you were to lift a song off of each of their uh, albums and create a playlist for somebody to uh, be like, what encapsules Angels and Airwaves, I feel like Surrender would be on that playlist for sure. Yeah, me too. Definitely. And now we're rounding this episode out with the last Angels and Airwaves full album to date in 2014 with The Dreamwalker. How did you feel about this album? I have a lot to say about this album in particular, but how did you feel? It didn't really resonate with me all that much, to be honest. There were some songs that I did like about it, but overall, you know, I... I didn't feel that connection to like I feel with the other ABA albums. I remember when uh, the lead single Paralyzed came out and I was just very confused about the direction of what this album was going to be and where Tom was going with this album. Uh, Then the Wolf Pack came out and that kind of lifted my spirits up a little bit to be like, okay, well, you know, maybe Paralyzed was just more experimental and then the rest of it's going to sound like the Wolf Pack. Um, Long story short, it doesn't. (laughs) This album is very like 80s influence I feel like there's a lot of uh, throwback sounds on this album uh, that are straight up lifted off of like an 80s soundscape so that's an interesting thing Um, this album was definitely not my favorite uh, upon first listen with multiple listens over time Uh, It has gotten better as far as I have been able to pick out certain songs 
that uh, I really go back to and play over again. But as far as as a whole, um, for me, it was kind of disappointing, uh, even more disappointing that it's the last full album that we got by the band up until uh, this point. So to leave us with something like that, um, I understand that he wanted to try something new and he was going in a, you know, a different direction. I also understand that each album that Angels and Airwaves have put out has dealt with different themes, you know, whether that be human connection, whether that be love, whether that be um, on this album, he was discussing his dreams and how much he's a lucid dreamer. So each album has a purpose. Uh, Each album is a different period in Tom's life and what he's tackling, what themes he's tackling at that time. So it's interesting in that perspective, but as far as, uh, you know, a whole piece of work, it, it just really misses the mark for me. Definitely, uh, leaves a lot to be desired on this album. But with that being said, there are still good tracks off of this album, including our top three picks. So Eric, what are your top three picks for this album? So for this album, they would be Paralyzed. The Wolf Pack and Anomaly. Ooh, nice pick with Anomaly. Honestly, that almost made my top three. It was very, very close to making it. I love Tom and a guitar. Once again, when it's stripped down, such a good version of Tom. I love that. Um, but for my top three, I said number three, The Disease, number two, Tremors, and number one, The Wolf Pack. Nice. Very nice. So, Eric, we have discussed all of Angels and Airwaves discography today. We started all the way back from 2006 up to 2014. Now it is the hardest part of all. We're not just talking about favorite songs anymore. We are talking about ranking our favorite Angels and Airwaves albums from worst to best, in our opinion. So nobody out there get your feelings hurt if we don't rank yours the best or rank your best at worst because it's just our opinion. Eric, do you want to go first? Sure. Go so for it. In order from lowest to highest, it would be the Dreamwalker, then Love as one full thing, then We Don't Need to Whisper, and my number one, I Empire. Wow. Really? Yeah. I am truly shocked by this. Not up until the point of the, the you know, four and, and three, I could have guessed hands down, but... For number two and number one, I really thought it was going to be the other way around for you. No, I I really, uh, I, I did a very careful analysis and I'm comfortable with this. Well, Eric, I am very pleased to say that I have the same ranking as you. Number four, The Dreamwalker. Three, Love and Love Part Two. We put it in as one, so that will be the third spot. Number two, We Don't Need to Whisper. And number one, if you guys didn't get that by listening to me gushing over it, uh, I Empire, number one spot for me, hands down, without a doubt. Hell yeah, man. I'm very surprised, Eric, because I really thought We Don't Need to Whisper was going to be your number one spot. Not going to lie. Listen, it was tough, and that album is amazing, but I Empire does it for me just a little bit more in terms of uh, number one placement. Now I'm going to ask you an even tougher question. If it is what I think it is, I'm going to call you out on it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I told you I was going to ask you something. You know, I, I gave you all the info you need to know to be prepared today, but I told you I was going to put you on the spot as always and ask you something. And if I didn't ask you this question, I know our listeners would be so upset because they want to know, and I definitely want to know, if you can rank Boxcar Racer, Plus 44, and Angels and Airwaves, what would that ranking look like, Eric? Oh, man. I knew that's what you were going to ask me. I freaking knew it. I saw that coming a mile away. Uh, but my ranking in terms of least favorite to favorite. Yeah, we'll Angels, do that. Angels and Airwaves, Box Car Racer, and Plus 44. Solid. Very solid. And why did you choose that ranking? Because, you know... I just kind of feel like it goes from most experimental to most simplistic, if that makes any sense. Angels and Airwaves being the experimental end of it. And Plus 44 being kind of a more straightforward approach to pop punk and, you know, other kinds of genres. And I kind of feel like Plus 44 out of all of them is the most emotionally gut-wrenching. And that totally agree with that, you on that. That really gets to me, you know. I, I love songs that can really just hit you in the gut like that. Yes, AVA can be like that too, but I kind of feel like AVA is more technical. And Boxcar Racer has a bit of both. It's got both the technical and emotional aspects to it. But plus forty four, you know, that that just really uh really gets to me. It's funny because my ranking is pretty different from your ranking so uh and i'll explain why so for me the least would be boxcar the middle would be plus 44 and the top would be angels and airwaves and i say it's funny because if you were to ask a younger me like a teenage me uh my ranking would have been completely different i think uh plus 44 would have been top spot and then boxcar would have been in between there and then I think Angels would have been last. I do think uh, when you're listening to this music sometimes when you're receiving it the stage that you're in in life does play a huge role in how you interpret the music. Me too you know I, I kind of feel like that's something that's always changing you know you're in different places throughout different points of your life and based on that that's what you're going to gravitate towards. Exactly. So that's why my lineup has switched throughout the years. And who's to say that in another five to ten years from now that it won't change again? Because uh, you never know. And all these projects have such redeeming qualities about them that you really can't go wrong no matter what lineup you choose and in whatever way that you decide to order them. Exactly. But for now, we both have spoken and... This is where we currently are at. There you have it, you guys. I am so surprised we got through today's episode. It was a really tough one because we are both such huge fans of both Tom DeLonge and Mark Hoppus and, of course, Travis Barker. Got to give Travis a shout-out because he was in the majority of these projects. So shout-out to Travis as well. But, yeah, this, this one was a tough one. I'm so surprised that we got through it, but we made it. We made it to the end, Eric. I'm so happy. <laughs> it was excruciating. So shout out once again to Kurt Capistrano. Thank you for the question. And I love this. So I hope we can do something like this again soon. If any of you guys listening out there have an idea that you want us to speak about, 
and go into depth on this podcast, please feel free to reach out to us. We love uh, hearing from you guys and we love answering any questions you may have. And today was a great episode and it couldn't have been done without people like Kurt. So feel free to reach out to us at www.musicmattersmedia.com. And also, more importantly, we want to know what you thought of today's episode. Which band is your personal favorite? Angels and Airwaves, Plus 44, or Boxcar Racer? We want to know. Also, let us know what are your favorite songs from each project. We want to know it all, you guys. So make sure you head over to www.musicmattersmedia.com. Let us know, and please stay tuned for our next episode.